Chapter 5 of The Boy Scouts on Swift River by Thornton W. Burgess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 5 Was He Yellow? The summer days sped as only happy, busy days can, and the time for the start of the Swift River cruise was rapidly approaching. As yet, the fourth member of the party had not been fully decided on. Truth to tell, the matter worried both Hal and Walter not a little. Billy Buxby had been in the minds of both when they had come to Woodcraft, and it had been arranged that Hal should ask him to join the party, providing this arrangement would be congenial to Lewis Woodhull. The news of Billy's death had, therefore, not only affected them with a deep sense of personal loss, but had quite upset their plans. I suppose, said Hal, that the thing to do is to leave it to Lewis and let him pick the fourth one. Surest thing, you know replied Walter. Lewis wouldn't pick anyone we don't like. Besides, if you and I paddle together and share the same tent, whoever goes will have to be Lewis's bunky. So it looks to me as if there was nothing to it but to put it up to Lewis. So in due course of time the matter was put up to Woodhull. He listened quietly until they were through, and then just as quietly sprung a mine, as Hal later expressed it. I'm very much obliged to you boys for your consideration of me said he, and there was just a suggestion of a twinkle in his eyes. But as this is really your own party, I much prefer that you shall decide who shall go. I will do this much, he added, ducking a chip hurled at him by Hal. I'll suggest several from whom to make your choice. Who are they? demanded Hal. Patience, son, patience. It is one of the cardinal virtues of a good scout. I was about to add that I had thought you might leave this matter to me, and so I have made a list. Each one has certain qualifications which, to my mind, make him eligible for such a trip as this. Now mind, I didn't say for this particular trip, or for such a trip as this. There is a distinction with a difference. Perhaps when you have looked the list over you will see it. I've made out the list with a few side remarks for your enlightenment as to my views, and now as I've got an appointment with Big Jim to look over a bit of timber on old Scraggy, I'll leave you to think it over. He tossed Hal a folded bit of paper, returned the salute of the two boys, and with the swift, easy stride of the trained forest ranger hit the Scraggy trail. The two boys watched him out of sight with warm admiration in their eyes, for of all the leaders in camp Woodhall was the favorite, not only because of his expertness as a woodsman, but because of a winning personality that endeared him to his followers. Now what the dickens do you suppose old Mr. Foxy has got up his sleeve this time? said Hal as he and Walter established themselves comfortably in their favorite retreat on the prostrate trunk of a giant spruce, which afforded an outlook on the sequestered cove of the lake. He's got some better reason than he has given for leaving it up to us to make the choice. "'You bet he has, or I don't know Lewis,' replied Walter with conviction. "'Perhaps we can tell when we see the list.' Hal spread the paper out, and both bent over it eagerly. Hal read the names aloud. "'Tug Benson, three years training at Woodcraft Camp. Good-tempered, has a fair knowledge of Woodcraft, is a strong paddler, splendid swimmer, and knows how to rough it. Has no love for bears at close quarters.' Walter laughed at the recollections caused by that last sentence. Chip Harley? 
a good scout who can keep up his end, willing worker, lively company, a little prone to get excited in a tight place. Jack Appleton, strong at the paddle, can cook, a fair trail finder, even-tempered and likable generally, two years' experience in camp. James Brown, otherwise known as Spider, little experience outside of camp, but eager to learn, a good observer, always ready to do his share, good-natured, quick, but undersized. Edward Plimpton, a tenderfoot in camp this year, needs experience in good company. Hal read the last name a second time as if not quite certain that he had read it right the first time. A fat chance he's got of being invited, he snorted. The two boys stared at each other in perplexed silence for a few minutes, each groping blindly in his own mind for the motive that had prompted Woodhall to make up such a list. Well, if you ask me, it's Tug. Chip's all right, he's a good clever chap, but I don't believe he's as good at sport as Tug is, said Walter. You remember how Tug made pace for me in the quarter-mile swim last field day? There are not many fellows who have done that. Tug's game clean through. You know Appleton better than I do, for he's in your tribe. I guess he's got good stuff in him. It's up to you, Hal. Tug or Jack suits me either way. Tug's my choice, replied Hal. You know we thought of him in the first place. Let's ask him after mess tonight. This Plimpton chap, he's a... Uh, well, kind of a weak sister, isn't he? He's in your tribe, and you've seen him more than I have. He's weak, all right, all right, and I guess sister just about fits him, said Walter with something so very like scorn in the tone of his voice that Hal looked up quickly. Walter usually was over-charitable in his judgment of others. Whatever possessed Lewis to put him on the list, I can't understand, unless it's for a joke, he continued. "'Never heard of Lewis joking that way before,' said Hal. "'That's so,' replied Walter. "'That's what gets my goat. "'Confound a joke you can't be sure is a joke. "'I haven't seen much of Plimpton, but he strikes me like a quitter. "'And it might be that he isn't, but, oh, hang it all. "'I can't help but feel that there's a yellow streak in him. "'You know, he's one of the two fellows the Delawares initiated the night we got into camp.' Started to give him the haunted cabin test that they worked on me last year, and he went all to pieces, so the Woodhull cut it short. He was a regular baby. Lewis pledged us all never to refer to it before him. Ha! <laughs> he might have used his common sense and have known that we wouldn't have let anything hurt him. Louis made excuses for him, said he was high-strung and terribly nervous and all that sort of thing, and that we ought not to have tried to work that test on him, but even at that, he ought to have shown a little sand. He's never been away from home before, and I don't suppose he ever was in a scrap in his life. The other day he happened along when Spud Eli was dressing a big pickerel, and when he saw Spud's hand covered with blood, he keeled right over. Fact, just fainted plumb dead away. What do you know about that? Walter spoke with all the contempt of the strong for the weak. The fact was, the absolute failure of Plimpton to meet the test of initiation had been a sore point with the Delawares. It had been carefully hushed up, and the other tribes knew none of the details of what had occurred. But with the members of his own tribe, Plimpton's failure to measure up to their standards had rankled keenly, and Walter's rather bitter speech was but the expression of long-suppressed feeling. That he was somewhat ashamed of it, his next word showed. 
The little beggar seems to be trying hard. He, he's always ready to do anything he can for anybody else. And he's always good-natured. But he's frightened to death of the water. And I bet he wouldn't walk from the wigwam to the landing in the dark. Wouldn't he be a peach on a trip like this? Hal pondered Walter's information in scowling silence for a while, as he carved his initials on the old tree trunk on which they sat. Finally, he viciously jabbed his knife blade deep in the wood. See here, Walt, he began. You and I know Lewis well enough to know that he never jokes on matters of this kind. If he put Plimpton's name on the list, it was for a purpose. Now, what's the answer? We asked him to name anybody he pleased, and what does he do? He names five, one of whom he knows that we would never dream of asking ordinarily. He says nice things about the fellows that we would most likely ask and passes up this tenderfoot with just the remark that he needs experience. He puts the choice back up to us and gives us a free hand to name whom we please, taking care to mention as satisfactory to him the very fellows he knows we would most likely ask from choice. Do you know what I think? What? asked Walter, the puzzled look growing deeper on his face. I think he wants Plimpton. You, you think he wants Plimpton? Walter spoke as if he doubted his own ears. I'm sure of it, Hal went on eagerly. It's plain as a nose on your face. If he came right out and asked to have Plimpton invited, he knows that he would queer the whole trip. He knows well enough how we feel about sister. The two boys grinned in unison at the appellation. And that we would be as sore as a couple of pups with their tails, Doc, if he saddled Plimpton off on us by naming him right out in meeting. So he puts it up to us this way. He gives us free opportunity to name our own man, and at the same time figures that we'll be scouts enough to see what he's driving at. Foxy Lewis! Oh, he knew what he was doing all right, believe me! and he's put us in a pretty hole without leaving us a chance to say a word. Well, he can't kick if we invite Tug, can he? asked Walter. Nary a kick, and he never would mention the matter. We can go ahead and invite Tug, and we'll have a bully time on the trip, but... Al paused. But Lewis will be disappointed in us, and we'll know it all the time, even if he doesn't show it, Walter finished for him. You've made a bull's-eye first shot, laughed Hal. Somehow or other, I'd rather stand a good deal than disappoint Lewis Woodhall, continued Walter. I guess that's what makes him such a crackerjack of a leader. All the fellows in the tribe will work their heads off for Lewis, and somehow I hate to think of doing anything that would make him think any the less of me. Hal, I believe you found the possum in the henpen, and that sister is Lewis's real choice. Though what for I can't for the life of me understand. Needs experience and good company, quoted Hal. Nice bit of taffy on a stick, grinned Walter. Well, we know that it's straight goods, guaranteed pure anyway, considering the source it comes from, replied Hal. You bet, declared Walter. The taffy's all right, but now let's get at the stick. Why do you suppose he's picked on sister for a trip like this? I don't know, confessed Hal, unless Lewis sees something in him that we don't. What was it he said that day coming up in the launch? 
Didn't he say something about the two who were to be initiated that night, and that he had a hunch that one who looked the least promising might turn out the better scout? That must have been Plimpton, and if Lewis still thinks enough of him to want to take him on this trip, there must be something to him that he hasn't shown us yet. I haven't forgotten the rotten little cad I was when I struck camp last year. I guess we don't think any meaner of sister than the whole camp did of me. In fact, we haven't got a thing of any account against him, just a suspicion that he's a quitter or yellow or something. While against me they had downright meanness and worse. Yet you all gave me a chance. It's kind of tough on us, but it looks to me like it is up to us to give sister a chance. If we are right in thinking Lewis wants him to go, Walter's face cleared. I'm with you, Hal, he declared heartily. I'm ashamed of what I said about Plimpton. It may be that he can't help being what he seems to be, and that it is a chance to help him find himself that Lewis sees on this trip. And then again, it may be that Lewis knows him a whole lot better than we do, and that he isn't what he seems to be at all. If you say so, I'm game to have him invited, though I would like mighty well to have Tug along. Confound Lewis, anyway, for putting us in such a box. Tell you what, we'll wait a bit, a few days, anyway, and do a bit of honest scouting. Plimpton is in the same tribe with you. You watch him for a few days and watch Lewis. See if the latter seems to take any special interest in sister. I bet I'm right about it but if I'm wrong, we want Tug by all means. The matter was left in this way, and for the next few days, Walter and Hal cultivated the acquaintance of Tenderfoot Plimpton to a degree that astonished that young man, and at the same time secretly flattered him. Walter kept his eyes open in the wigwam as well as outside, and when he met Hal for a final conference to decide on the fourth member of the party, he made up his mind that their guess as to Woodhall's personal choice was really Plimpton. "'There's no doubt about it, Al,' he said. "'Lewis is trying in that quiet way to give Sister a lift. I've seen it in a lot of little things that I should never have noticed if I hadn't been watching. I guess, Hal, that right here is where it is up to us to apply the first scout law we learned. Do something for others. And invite Sister.' Hal smiled a bit ruefully as he watched the stout, muscular figure of Tug Benson passing on the trail to the landing. "'I guess you're right. Let's go invite him right now and get this suspense off our minds. By the way, are we doing this for Sister or for Lewis?' "'Both, but mostly for Lewis, I reckon,' replied Walter. They found Plimpton taking a swimming lesson under the tutelage of the doughty Tug. He had become fairly proficient in the mechanical side of the art, but was still woefully timid. "'He hasn't got the nerve of a sand flea,' muttered Doug in disgust as they watched the swimmer choke and gasp and frantically beat the water with his hands, while his face went white when the wash from a passing launch caught him unawares. "'What he needs is to be thrown in where he has to swim for his life. Then he'll find that he can and will forget his fear of the water,' continued the astute Tug." As soon as they could get Plimpton alone, the invitation was extended to him, and to the credit of Hal and Walter, they made it hearty and measurably sincere. Plimpton's face flushed with pleasure and a degree of eagerness which the two boys noted with some surprise, for they had half expected that he would refuse. Possibly a half-formed hope was father to the thought. 
It's awfully good of you fellows to invite me, but I'm afraid I wouldn't be much good on a trip of that kind, said Plimpton. You know, I never did these things before, and I, I well, I can't seem to learn like some of the other fellows, he concluded a bit wistfully. Oh, that's all right, said Hal. A trip like this would be the best thing in the world for you. So it was arranged that Plimpton should ride home at once for permission to go, and Hal and Walter went to hunt up Woodhall to tell him of their choice. Lewis listened with the quiet smile the boys had come to know so well. I think you'll find you haven't made a mistake, he said, but the two boys were not so sure of this in their own minds, and as they seated themselves on the old spruce trunk by the lake, they regarded each other with a rather sickly grin. He is Lewis's choice, all right enough, said Hal. Yes, replied Walter, and then after a pause in which each was busy with his own thoughts, did you see him when that little wave slapped him in the face? I wish I knew whether or not he's yellow. End of chapter 5